1: curling fans as america's best curling teams prepare to compete on the world stage you've come to the one place with everything you need involving usa curling It's the Extra Extra In podcast with Price Atkinson. Get ready for everything that you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, anything involving Team USA forming and the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea for Team USA curling is found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with Price Atkinson. Presented by the 12th In Sports Network.
2: Welcome into the Extra Extra In Podcast, Bryce Atkinson, Joe Calabrese, right here on the Extra Extra In Podcast with the Twelfth In Sports Network, powered by Isogenics. Episode two, Joe. Excited to get out of the gate here, boy. We've got a loaded episode here this week.
0: No kidding. We've got some great segments coming up. We got an interview with Jamie Sinclair and Vicki Persinger from Team Sinclair, and then we've also got an interview with Richie. Ruinen, of Team McCormick, and then we've got a great roundtable talking about the Olympic trials and whether the USCA got those seven teams right, and uh, we'll be joined by Jerry Gertz of Curling Zone.
2: Yeah, and before we uh, go any further, I want to thank everybody. Well, we got a great episode here this week, episode one last week, which you can hear every Thursdays, a new one will drop here, the Extra Extra in Podcast. Great feedback last week, Joe. Really appreciate everybody who sent in notes, who shared it on Facebook, who retweeted it on Twitter, um, all the support we got for episode one from other curling podcasts. You know, just really appreciate a lot of people reaching out, saying great job, you know, what they enjoyed, what they didn't enjoy, you know, just the feedback and the overall support that we got from that first episode. It was just – it was awesome.
0: Yeah, you know – um, it's great to know that people are receiving this well and you know, we're going to keep bringing it every week. Uh, we got a lot of episodes, uh, planned out. we got a lot of interviews lined up, uh, and we are ready to go. We've got two months before the Olympic trials. I, I can't believe it's just two months and, but it, but that's where we're at, where we're at. And, uh, And we're really excited about doing it, and uh, I can't wait to get going for this week.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, where where can you listen to the Extra Extra in? Real easy, folks. You can listen on iTunes, uh, on your desktop, but more importantly, go to Apple Podcasts on your smartphone, iPhone, Samsung, whatever it is you're using. Just go to the Apple Podcast app, uh, search the Extra Extra in. You will find us. It is real easy. You can uh, listen to us on Stitcher, Google Play, and, of course, without a doubt, at TESN.us forward slash podcast, the 12th Men Sports Network homepage, TESN.us forward slash podcast. And, Joe, we got to tell everybody, if you like it, let us know. Rate it especially. Rate it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. It takes 60 seconds, 120 seconds, two minutes just type in a review give us four three five stars preferably five and if you want to make a comment that would be also fantastic because the more people that comment and write a review the easier are we are to find
0: not only that but i mean you, you know share the link on facebook let your friends know about it i mean uh, curling is sort of the best known secret out there uh, amongst the uh, uh, u.s uh curling community uh you got to get that word out for us uh this is one of those podcasts that I think we've got great content and it's, it's really shareable. So, so let people know, put it out on Facebook, Twitter, let people know about the extra extra end.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And great content is the name of the game and the name of the game in the next episode is going to be Jamie Sinclair and Vicky Persinger who caught up with just uh, very recently. So we will bring that interview to you from uh, team Sinclair in the very next segment. And speaking of team S- Sinclair, Joe, this week's contest giveaway It is one awesome giveaway. I don't think folks want to get in line for this one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a great relationship with Team Sinclair at TESN. We've uh, sponsored that team for over a year now. And uh, Monica Walker has given us a terrific prize uh, for this week's episode. It's a signed USA Monica Walker currently Night in America jacket. And so it's a -a one-of-a-kind item, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in in a bit Uh, But that's this week's giveaway. Last week's giveaway was a Rock Watcher. You're going to want to check out Facebook to find out who won that. Uh, We'll announce that this week.
2: How could anybody not want a signed Monica Walker jersey? To me, that would be one of our giveaways of the year, Joe.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about it myself.
2: (laughs) All right. uh, uh, Let's see what else. Uh, We've got um, Team Sinclair coming up uh, in the next segment, but the U.S. teams, Jimmy Sinclair and company, had a great weekend in Regina this past weekend. You know, a solid performance, show by them in the first slam of the season. They were on a roll there until, you know, it came to an end Saturday night. But just a, a fantastic performance in the Tier 2 uh, of the first slam of the season by Jamie and company.
0: Yeah, I mean, they made the semifinals. They wound up losing in the semifinals of that Tier 2 event. Uh, but it's really showing uh, – the confidence, I think, that they've earned uh, through their wins at the Nationals last year and at the uh, uh, Champions Cup back in April of last year. Uh, and, you know, they weren't the only ones with great results this past week. Uh, we have uh, Brady Clark, who uh, made the playoffs in the event he was in. And then mm-hmm. uh, at the Slam One event, John Schuster made the quarterfinal. So uh, a lot of U.S. teams out there doing, doing some good work uh, in uh, the early part of this season.
2: Yeah, and speaking of doing great work, we'd be very remiss if we did not mention the junior teams who had a big weekend, uh, Joe, this past weekend. I'm talking talk the under-21 Royal Slam champions, both come from uh, Team Stopera and Team Farrell. Boy, big weekend for the juniors, too.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, what does that say about the future of USA curling when we've got two junior teams like that putting on a show? No question. Uh, like they did this past weekend.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So congratulations to both our junior teams. Great curling there this weekend. All right, let's go ahead and get out of here with this first segment. When we come back, Jamie Sinclair, Vicki Persinger, great conversation with members of Team Sinclair that you won't want to miss right here on the Extra Extra End podcast with the 12th End Sports Network powered by Isagenix. Have you tried different weight loss programs and are still looking for results? I was, too, until I found Isagenix, and it didn't take long before I started getting the results that I wanted. Isagenix is a complete 9- or 30-day weight loss, energy, performance, and health aging program with over 550,000 customers in 7 countries. Isogenics is science-backed ingredients, and products are rigorously tested for safety and will help nourish your body and help boost your weight loss efforts by gently cleansing and nourishing your body. Isogenics' cleansing and fat-burning system has helped me relieve daily stress and given me even more energy to play with my two kids from sunup to sundown. My personal isogenics associate, Sarah Schuster, she helped me take control of my health and, most importantly, my life. Sarah walked me through the entire process, answered every single question, And most importantly, serves as my personal daily cheerleader. She can do the same for you and more. Give Sarah a call with the keyword curling at 218-391-1566. Again, the keyword curling. Give Sarah a call 218-391-1566 and she'll waive your one-year membership fee. Stop making excuses and start taking control. Let Sarah get you started on a healthier life like isagenix did it for me and it can do it for you welcome back in to the extra extra end podcast Bryce atkinson here and we're going to sit down and talk with jamie sinclair and vicky persinger from the jamie sinclair rink based out of the twin cities and kind of odd you guys relocate to the twin cities i know Kind of partially a little bit here and there, back and forth, but pretty much home base now is the Twin Cities. So welcome in, Vicki and Jamie.
3: Thank you. It's yes. good to be here. Thanks.
2: So get into it. What's, what's the summer been like for you guys? Because clearly this year starts a little bit earlier than years past. It's an Olympic year, so really summer, what summer, right?
3: Yeah, it's, it's been a, a whirlwind. Um, I don't know if we really got a summer vacation, maybe like two weeks in there. Um, but yeah, the season ended really late, playing in the, the Champions Cup uh, that ended in may, so um <laughs> just non stop curling and uh and unfortunately, training uh at the four seasons curling club, mm-hmm. they have ice all year round, so yep. we've we've been on the ice pretty much all summer too, so it uh it, yeah, it really never stopped
4: yeah i um went home or to Alaska for these parts of the summer, and um between going to work and working out every day, i didn't get to do all the Things I thought I would get to do, but um, we've been putting in a lot of work, um, even with me not being physically where the rest of the team is. um, Constant contact and really just seemed like it's all one season. There's no off-season anymore for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys, y'all finished the season, I mean, on as strong a note as you could probably have. You win your first Nationals, you go to the Champions Cup, and you make the playoffs. strong finish that boosts you guys and really springboards into this all important year and certainly this fall coming up. Mm
3: -hmm. It was a huge boost of confidence. Super proud of the team for performing especially that late in the season. Yeah amazing
4: event for our team for sure. Getting to play on that type of ice against that type of competition is something we worked for all season long and it's gonna catapult us into this season I think.
2: I know you guys get asked this you know quite a bit and so I don't want to ask it in the same way but winning nationals you don't get to go to worlds and so did not so much what you know how that feel, but has that fueled you all going into the Olympic trials coming up here in November? Was that a? I mean, you knew what the deal was. You certainly, obviously, knew how it could play out, and obviously, it did play out this way. But has it really given you guys a little bit another of an edge? You know, to 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 make the Olympic team.
3: Yeah, I mean, we knew going into nationals that uh, it was definitely a possibility. It was likely to play out like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, it hurt a lot more once it it actually happened. Yeah. You know, you you try to just put it in the back of your mind, but once it actually comes to be, it's a huge bummer. Um, but I think our team, um, we we managed to get through that really well. We stayed really positive. And we kind of like being the underdogs going Mm -hmm. into, to events. I think that it fuels us. It gives us that edge, um, that extra little boost of energy that, um, that we, that we enjoy having and we play really well with that weight on our, on our shoulders. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's done well for us.
4: Yeah, I agree. Um, like Jamie said, it's like, you know, you prepare for it knowing it's going to happen and, um, it's it was still it didn't kill the feeling feeling of winning nationals for us but it you know was a little bitter um once we stopped and looked at the whole picture but um we've worked hard to make a lot of opportunities for ourselves and you know just because we didn't get to go to worlds we got to go to the slam and and so we're grinding away um you know Mm -hmm. yeah trying to earn our spots and things and and not you know not have just jump into things so um
3: yeah, we were, there was still a lot to play for. I yeah. mean, we went out there, and, and we were super motivated to win that game because it meant a lot to us. We were trying yeah. to prove a point. We were trying to make it to the Champions Cup. Like, mm-hmm. there was a lot on the line, so um, it, it didn't take anything away from our performance
2: yeah and i you know seeing you guys at nationals winning it how excited you were it's clearly i know sunk in it's still pretty awesome to be able to call yourself Definitely. a national yeah. champion for the first time that's something that will never be taken away and something you'll always be able to wear you know on your sleeve
3: yeah it's it's an amazing feeling for sure right
4: and also i've been on both sides of that coin um mm-hmm. and you know to be honest it doesn't feel the best either way so um but there's still, you know, things to take away from it, and I think we did that well last year.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. How was this summer different for you guys? Clearly, the Olympic year it starts earlier. You don't have a whole lot of vacation time. Get to travel, go on vacations. You know, how has this summer been different, especially because this was what last year was your first full year together, it, the four of you guys.
3: Mm-hmm. How- I, yeah, I think just the biggest difference is that we've been able to. Um, just train and work as a team and grow all through the summer. Whereas last year we didn't know that we were going to be a team until, um, quite a bit later in the, in the summer. So we, this year we got a couple extra months to work together and, uh, um, yeah, just kind of got a head start on, on the season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. As we were talking with Vicki Persinger and Jamie Sinclair of Team Sinclair, also joined by Monica Walker and Alex Carlson. And you guys spent time at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs mm-hmm. this summer. I know that's probably a big-time opportunity for – you know you guys are tight. You're bonded. But another chance to really, whether it begin the season or continue, really chance to be together and come together very in a tight way
4: it's an awesome opportunity um we've been there a couple years in a row maybe not on this team but what's the best part about being there is um being able to train next to other team usa athletes Mm -hmm. and realize that other people have the same goals and have made the same sacrifices um in a little bit of a different picture for a different sport but it's super motivating Mm -hmm. to be around those people and um it definitely fuels the team i think for sure
2: yeah, and you know, one year together. How have you guys gotten to know each other? I mean, you knew each other as competitors and as friends, but you know, as teammates, you get to know each other in a little bit different way. You know, how have spend you guys a lot of time together? <laughs> you guys get to know. How have you guys gotten to know each other? You know, even you know, I'm going to say intimately, but you know, close. I mean, you become you know like family, and you know, then again, one year together, how much more? room do you guys have to grow collectively to get even better? Because it certainly looks like there is a whole lot more room.
4: Um. Yeah, uh, everyone has their, it takes a long time to get to know somebody mm-hmm. and um, know what they need and what you can give to them and what they can give to you um, as teammates and on, that's on and off the ice and yeah. Um, we've spent weeks together, um, without leaving in Canada. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that was really beneficial for us. Actually, we did that last year. Mm-hmm. Um, our first little go was three weeks together, w- brand new team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we learned a lot about each other then. And, you know, it's always a learning process. And, um, we try to, um, think really hard about what we can do for each other. Cause mm-hmm. that's important when you're together all the time. Um, and uh, you want to grow as a team, and it definitely helps both on and off the ice. So, mm-hmm.
3: I think another cool thing that we did last year, since it was our first year together, and we wanted to get to that level of comfort uh, with each other very quickly, um, was like personality tests yeah. with our sports psychologist. And that was really interesting, just to see what the different personalities were on the team, how those personalities interact with each other. Like what do some of your teammates need or what do they prefer in different situations? That was, I thought that was really interesting. It's still
4: been good. We've taken that test and we go back over it Mm -hmm. all the time. I mean, it's an ever learning thing and everyone's different. And it's funny to see people literally on the opposite (laughs) Mm -hmm. sides of the chart. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's super interesting.
2: Awesome. We continue with Jamie Sinclair and Vicki Persinger. You can follow them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the different social media platforms. I don't think there's any team and certainly the high-performance program that does it like Vicki and Jamie and Monica and Alex on social media at Team J Sinclair. Yep. Uh, check them out across the social media platforms again: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we're going to ask you a little bit more about that here in just a second. But <laughs> oh you, goodness, the the first year in the high, or the last couple years, I mean, fairly new to the high performance program, as most everybody is. It's not very old. But what are some of the biggest biggest surprises you guys have both, you know, had maybe with the high performance program, and you know, really more importantly, what were your goals upon joining when you decided to become a part of it? asked?
3: um i would say our goals going into this just for any team would uh like outcome goals would definitely be to make it to the world championship to uh win the olympic trials go on to the olympics that's definitely on everybody's mind Mm -hmm. um below that there are a lot of uh different process goals on how to get there Mm -hmm. and um i mean we spend a lot of time uh thinking about our own and they they they, they grow as we spend time together throughout the season, they'll change and, and evolve. Um, So that's always something that we're kind of thinking about and focusing on um, checking off those process goals and then leading into the outcome goals.
4: Yeah. um, The program provides a lot of awesome opportunities and resources. Um, And I think um, this is well, last year and this year um, this is the best we've ever done utilizing those resources Mm -hmm. and, um, just digging every last bit um, kind of you know it's up to you how much you want to um, yeah. just open the doors for yourself and mm-hmm. we've tried really hard to do that so
2: you yeah. guys have a team that's got a lot of personality I mean mm-hmm. it's <laughs> easy to see it. it's easy to see the minute you guys take the ice just sitting here with you guys <laughs> smiling laughing I mean, you guys are always having a good time mm-hmm. and not that every team doesn't but y'all have a lot of personality. I mean is a team collectively and who's got the, the funniest, maybe the most quirky personality. I know you're all different, but <laughs> because you guys have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. What is it, you know, who's who's what is it that everybody brings to this group that makes Team Sinclair just fun?
3: Well, I, I would have to say that Monica is probably the funniest on our team. She she makes the most amount of jokes and <laughs> makes everybody laugh. <laughs> um but I love how diverse our team is because yeah. like you said there's just there's a little bit of everything and and it's uh entertaining to <laughs> say the least. For sure, yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh you know, some of the well-known most well-known curlers you've curled with Jamie and in the past are you prepared to maybe be the face of US curling especially with a lot of the folks like Erica and some of the other skips, you know, that have retired, who've, you know, moved away from the sport?
3: Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that that would be cool um, to to have to kind of be that. But mm-hmm. I think uh, for me it's, um, it's more – I mean, I'm just focusing on on performing as best I can on the ice mm-hmm. and uh, giving back as much I can to the sport. Yeah, and that comes across a lot in my social media, mm-hmm. um, everything that I do on there, on that plat on those platforms. Um, it's really uh, to help grow the sport and um, to get people interested, casual fans interested in the sport, and yeah. maybe help them, you know, try it out, help them improve their game. Um, that's, that's kind of my focus. That's what I'm trying to do. One of my passions and goals. And, um, if that, if that relays into, um, being somewhat of a face of curling, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. So you, you
2: want to tease a couple episodes of curl up with Jamie oh, no. got some, you got some topics <laughs> that's, that's coming up. Go ahead and tease oh, I them. I do. Now. I do. Well, yeah.
3: um, <laughs> I, I have a couple strategy ones coming out. I think, uh, one that'll be coming out around the same time as, uh, as this podcast is, uh, it's all about hitting the broom and yeah. uh, just looking at someone in the, their stance in the hack and, and knowing whether or not they're going to hit the broom or not, just the way that they're lined up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Vicki, it seems like you perform in, in some of the – when the lights are the brightest, it seems like Uh-oh. those type of competitions <laughs> – No pressure. <laughs> I mean, that's – the most pressure-packed situations are when you actually shine the brightest. What is it? I mean, because it national like, – I mean, but going back to nationals again, not just then, but so many other times, watching you at at these type of competitions national events this is when you excel I mean what is your secret
4: there is none (laughs) um that you will tell right right right, yeah yeah um no I just um it's easy when you are really jived with your teammates Mm -hmm. and you're kind of on a roll so to speak and um you know it's just like one rock at a time and um kind of it's easy to blur out what's around you and mm-hmm. you're just focused on the task at hand. And I don't know. It just doesn't seem, you know, when there's four of you on the same page, it's it's yeah. easy.
2: Un- unlike some of the, the Canadian teams or the country of Canada – it, in talking with a lot of people who have not embraced mixed doubles maybe there yet like the U.S. has. Um, you've qualified for the Olympic trials mixed doubles coming up in December in Blaine with Jared Zezel, and I know Alex has qualified with Derek McLean. How do you – how does that – how are you – I know you balance it. There's an easy way to do it, but how do you work in practice time? And, you know, certainly with you – and, know, Jamie, you competed at nationals. How do you – the, how does that play into what you guys are trying to do as you're trying to pursue, you know, another side goal? And that's still to make the Olympic team as a mixed doubles.
4: Right. Um, it's definitely tough, um, especially with how many um, weekends we play um, as a women's team. Mm-hmm. Um, between, like, now and December, we have, like, three weekends off. Um, so um, another thing is, is you know, you want to give it a good effort because it's still a chance to make it to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um But at the same time, like you need to be careful because your body needs rest and you don't want to overdo it and throwing rocks after rocks, after rocks, Mm -hmm. after rocks, you know, that's not going to make you the best athlete in women's or doubles. So, um, you know, I talk a lot with my teammate. We, um, don't live in the same town, but now we live closer Mm -hmm. to each other and, um, we'll practice when we can. Um, but otherwise I'm kind of throwing rocks and he's throwing rocks and it's a little more. Um, put together last minute is I think a lot of people's doubles priority mm-hmm. mindset um, because for a lot of people men's and women's come first um, but still any chance to ever you know get to that big of an event you know you're anyone's gonna try so
2: yeah absolutely that's gonna be pretty cool playing Olympic trials in in Omaha and then just a couple weeks later you're gonna turn around and play again in Blaine and the mixed doubles but it, it, As you get move forward in the next couple weeks and the months, getting ready for November here in the Olympic trials, what is the biggest key? What are you guys dialing in on? you got some time, not a lot of time. What is it that you guys are just trying to focus in on to be razor sharp come November the 11th in Omaha?
3: I think we're really just trying to master our team systems, um, get really comfortable with communication on and off the ice, and um, really just – Try to try to treat every event like it is the Olympic trials, so that we're very prepared, um, we're comfortable, like we feel like we've been at that level of competition before. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, just being in our ideal performance state or trying to uh, get there, figure out what we need to do to get there, um, leading up and to the trials.
2: All right, as we begin to start wrapping up with Jamie and Vicky here on the Extra Extra In podcast. The new logo. I want to ask you guys about this. Let's have some fun on the way out the door. The new, I, you guys are clearly Bachelor Bachelorette fans because <laughs> it, oh, it's man. the identical. How we, did you know? Will you accept this rose, Jamie and Vicky? I <laughs> haven't
3: gotten a yes yet. <laughs> Oh, that is too funny. We the, the, are we are fans, guilty as charged.
2: Uh, so there's the inspiration behind it. It obviously was <laughs> was birthed watching a Monday night. Monica Tuesday. would
3: not be happy. She's the only one she on the team that doesn't watch Anti bachelor. Yeah.
2: All right. So was she the the vote against the rose here? Because and I'll do. And, and Sears, it's really cool. I mean, you guys. I don't know if anybody else has got your. And this is part of the branding. Mm-hmm. This is part of Team Sinclair. Really cool. Just tell us about it.
3: Well, we were making sponsorship packages and. We got to the point, okay, we rely on sponsorship a ton to uh-huh. get through our season, right? It's really expensive, so uh, we we definitely, it's always, we're always trying to get sponsors. So we're making this package, and we wanted it to be as professional as as it could be. So we thought, we really believed that having a team logo uh, supported that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided to come up with one. Um, shout out to my brother's company, Synchronous Productions, for making it. Um, but yeah, so actually... The the Bachelor Bachelorette part was wasn't actually part of the logo. It's not why we chose chose it, but um, it, it might be like a sub reason, but Monica doesn't know that. I think
2: there's some inspiration there. Surprise. <laughs> no,
3: it's it's actually it's the national flower of the US. Yeah. which no I one didn't know knows. until I Googled it. I didn't know. There
2: you go. Yeah. So there's that's that's the secret to yeah. it, right?
3: Yeah. But it went along with a lot of our, we discussed as a team, like what are our values, uh, what's our team image that we want. And a rose suited a lot of those. Mm -hmm. So it it kind of, it summed us up really well in, in one object.
2: It, speaking of sponsorships, I, I know Ale- was it Alex's feet that were featured in a Team USA story or something? Any yes. pedicure? I mean, have you yeah. gotten any? Uh, you know, on the beach pedicure the companies on board yet? In the short amount of time, I
4: working I on it, working were on it. Yeah. Not All right.
2: Quite. I thought it was awesome the ice patch challenge you guys did. I thought it was super <laughs> cool. Now, where did that? Was it Team Hasselberg they from Sweden? It, I originally? Okay, so yeah. they show out with a twenty-four seconds, and mm-hmm. then you guys, Monica, dropped say what? Twenty point one?
3: Yeah, twenty point one. In
2: the lobby yeah. at four seasons, right? Yes
4: yes, she did. Yeah.
2: All right. I've since seen a sixteen second pop up. Is that the is that the Oh the
3: mixed team? Was
2: it a mix yeah. that did that?
3: I believe so, yeah. Yes. Um yeah, we're going to have to try to beat that time. I think we can.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got more coming. Also, there's a lot of blooper reels involved oh, in that so, one yeah, we that only we haven't shared yet. Success one. And um Bloopers are hilarious. you know, I feel like I should be helpful in that because I play front end, but I'm it takes me a solid Two minutes to change those, <laughs> so I was like, "It's all you, girl, get it." And she's fast.
2: Yeah. She's, oh, that was lightning quick. I think I want to. I want to see somebody. Maybe it's Monica go under fifteen. But have any other? Have any other teams picked up on them? And has anybody? I think it's. A, I think it's super cool and super fun.
3: We've. Uh, I haven't seen any other hardline ones. We've seen a gold line one. Okay. But those are the new, uh, gold line. What are they called? Air. Yes. Air brooms, where yep. they just the heads snap on and off. So. Um, those go a lot quicker. So. <laughs> that's not the same. That does, I don't that's think <laughs> cheating. That's cheating exactly. is what it is.
2: All right, Jamie and Vicky, Team Sinclair, Jamie Sinclair, Vicky Persinger. Again, check them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Team J. Sinclair. You guys are the mo- uh, active as anybody, if not more so. Uh, a great follow there. Just really appreciate you guys joining us here on the Extraction Extra Extra Podcast. Enjoy just kind of talking, kicking back, and having a little bit of fun and certainly awesome all the best and good luck as we get ready for November in Omaha.
3: Thank you so much. Yay. It was nice being here. Thanks, Price.
2: All right. All right, that was Jamie Sinclair and Vicky Persinger, Joe. Great stuff right there, especially coming off the great weekend in Regina. Just two just two great personalities involved in USA curling with Jamie and Vicky.
0: Yeah, you can see the team chemistry is strong with that team. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see what happens in their future, and in that future is just a few months away.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Just two great personalities. Love talking with Jamie and Vicky, and catching up with them, especially also their team dynamics. They're, they're just a fun team to watch out there on the ice. All right, when we come back here, we're going to shift gears, go over to the men's side. we got a special conversation here coming up, Joe, with Richie Ruin and the newest member of team heater McCormick. This is a really good one. A lot of insight. I think a lot of listeners are going to be really interested to what Richie has to say coming up here in this next segment.
0: If you're looking to buy new curling equipment, don't settle for cheap imitations. Hardline came onto the scene seven years ago and is at the forefront of high performance and recreational curling equipment. Hardline's ice pad is the best choice when it comes to brush heads, which is why top ranked pros play with it, including world champions, Team Gushu, as well as U.S. men's and women's national champions, Team Schuster and Team Sinclair. Whether you're looking for brooms, the ProSlide delivery aid designed by Reed Carruthers, or shoes and apparel, take a look at Hardline and see why they are the number one choice for curling equipment. Show the sponsor your support by going to TESN.us and clicking on the Hardline Ice Pad though.
2: Extra Extra In Podcast, Bryce Atkinson here, and now we're joined by the man himself, Dr. Double. I think he probably nicknamed himself Dr. <laughs> Double, as we were talking with some people earlier, Rich Ruinin from the Twin Cities. Richie, thanks for stopping in and, and chatting a little curling with us on the Extra Extra In Podcast.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you about curling.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, as, as we sit here in Omaha... Um, getting ready for the season to begin before we talk about this season because you've got a big, exciting opportunity that uh, you're involved with right now in a certain team. But going back to Nationals, man, you guys, Team Burr, you guys had a phenomenal run to the finals, taking John Schuster and company to the brink. You were about as hot as, I mean, maybe the best curling of your life. What was it like out there? And just talk about how well you guys played.
5: Yeah, it was it was a great Nationals. We had a, a lot of fun, uh, you know, out in Seattle, and we uh, – we played really well. Um, we made a lot of shots. We put the pressure on teams. It was nice to see we had, you know, we had a good year leading up to it. So we felt good going into it. We knew we could make the final four and then it's anybody's game. And that's the, that's the initial goal going into nationals. You make that final four. And then if you get hot, if you stay hot in our case, you can do it. So we were, um, we were really pleased with how we played and, and to get into that championship game is a big deal, you know, and uh, we struggled a little bit against Brownie in the 2-3 game, Uh, got down early, but, you know, came storming back and pulled it out, and you know, we got into that championship game. We, we knew it was anybody's game at that point, and we got an early lead and unfortunately had a bad seventh end and gave up that three, and uh, and then it came down to last rock, but we still made Johnny make a good shot, and he, he made a pistol to win, you know, yep. and just a couple inches away, and, it you know, it's the other way, but uh, it was a great, great run um we all played very well I mean at just about every position you know so um all of us were I'm thinking the top five in shooting st- stats and you know and I had one of the best nationals I've had of 20 of them yes. this is one of the best but you know um I've always been pretty consistent and at nationals I've always been one of the top two or three at my position so I felt good going into it and we were all uh we're really happy. It's just disappointing to lose that last one, especially at our age. You don't know yeah. how many more times you get a chance at that. Best week of curling of your life. Yeah, the I would I would say played. it was up there. Yeah. I would say it was up there because a lot of big shots, too, not just the, you know, made the right ones, too, you yeah. know, even, and Todd made the right ones most of the time. And, yep. and, uh, and, but I made, I made the big ones when I needed to, like when I did miss, I followed up with a run back double or, you know, whatever. So it was a lot of big shots, a lot of doubles, a lot of run yep. backs, you know, a lot. of of key draws so you know i think that comes with experience too it's just you know when you've been there so much you just don't really get nervous that much anymore you yeah. know you get a little anxious maybe in a big game but that's just that first rocket's thrown then you feel good so that was big for us you know um our experience i think helps too we we've seen a lot of shots we've we know what we can do and what we can't do and we don't yeah. try to make the shot that we don't think our skip can make for instance you right. know i was there to blow things out of the way and todd was there to make his draws like he always does he's pretty yeah. solid with that and we rarely miss those kind of those easy you know those draws if I can get yeah. him a lane in there he finds a way to get it in there so yeah. that's my job on that team
2: all right as so we're talking with Dr. Double himself Rich Ruinin, um, Richie you guys find out this spring that you were not one of the teams selected to the Olympic trials obviously I had four teams selected they can take up to five you guys were not one of them I mean, obviously, that's what you guys were working and gunning for at nationals. You know, my personal opinion was if you guys had won that thing, I mean, there's no way that you could not be in the Olympic trials. You guys come up second and then find out you weren't included in the trials. Just talk about how tough that was for you four to find that news out.
5: Yeah, it it was tough. Um... I was a little less optimistic than I think the other three were about our chances. I wish I had played with them for the previous year, Mm -hmm. knowing that how good we were going to do. Because I think that two-year run might have made the difference even losing in that championship game. But I really felt the night before the final game, I said if we win this game, guys, we're in the trials. I don't see any way that we wouldn't be. But but I kind of knew if we lost that game – there, there was a a reason not to pick us whether they were going to or not. I wasn't sure, but I felt like if we could, we had, we held it in our own hands and we didn't unfortunately make it. So I was a little less optimistic and I wasn't surprised at all when we didn't get it. Um, I think it's a close call. It's a tough decision for anybody to, to decide on that last team and whether you want to do it or not. And so, you know, um, uh, it was disappointing. Um, but quickly, you know, another opportunity came for me and I had to make a decision, you know, do I want to uh, be a fifth man kind of yeah. coach for Team McCormick or do I, you know, want to stay and play with another team and not have a chance to go to the Olympics? Yeah. And at my age, I think that there was no, it was a no-brainer choice yeah. for me.
2: And in the disclaimer, we should note that, you know, Team Burr has a hearing coming up in mid to late September mm-hmm. Uh, there is a possibility that they could uh, in, end up being included in the Olympic trials in Omaha, so we obviously don't know how that will play out, but you just reference you had an opportunity here, you know, through this, I guess, off-season, if there were, you call it an off-season, that you were asked to go play with Heater McCormick in, in his rank, and the high performance is, is fifth as is an alternate, however you want to call it. Chance to do that, you reference it, but... Was that something that even gave a whole lot of thought, a little bit of thought, too? Did you jump at the chance to join these guys?
5: Well, I think I I had to. Um, uh, It's, you know, uh, a chance to travel around with these guys. I'm good friends with. With all the guys, but I, I I've known Chris for a long time. Sure. Played together with yep. him for four years. Played with Heath for a little bit. Won nationals, and frankly, we <laughs> a couple shots away from winning that one too. So yep. you know, they're good friends of mine. And when they asked, uh, you know, for me it was um, at that time there was no grievance being filed or anything like that for sure and yeah. and the chances of winning that versus automatically being on another team with a chance to go to the Olympics yep. um, it, to me I had to jump at that chance yep. I like the guys it is a little bit of a different role for me that you know it's hard to sit back there and watch those games I mean I've we're, we're a few games into this at Curling Night in America here yeah. you know and you want to be out there you know All right. All and, right. and, and you want to get on the ice but my job with this team is to do whatever I can to help them win if that means off the ice on the ice i've been you know my job i've i've been watching the rocks really closely knowing what we're going to shoot i've helped i've acted as a coach this weekend come out on the timeouts you know we've had some really good meetings and we're working on a lot of team stuff and i think i can also be the liaison between people so for me i'm going to do whatever i can to help us go to the olympics and i hope it's enough and i I believe it will be we're you know we're a really good solid team and uh we're playing we're playing well Already early, got a couple couple of mistakes here that cost us uh, a couple games, but we have a chance to win it, you know. Here, and I'm uh, I'm excited to be a part of it, and yeah. I'm going to be there, and I if whether I'm playing or not playing, I'm going to do my job.
2: Yeah. It is kind of odd to see Dr. Double sitting over in the coach's box as opposed to throwing rocks because the last time I was watching you, you were Dr. Double himself and you were run-back doubles. It seemed like all week out in Everett at Nationals back in February. But the dynamics of this team, I mean, you're one of the – I mean, you're, you've are you got the experience. You're the old guy if you want to even mm-hmm. call it that. Um, you know, you've got a, a team with Heater and Chris who a little bit older. Then you've got two guys and Tom and Corey – Who are young up and coming Studs Mm -hmm. and so just talk About this team dynamic that you have On the McCormick ring
5: Yeah I think it's uh it's It's good. We have a young front end. I think a a lot of teams, you know, starting about eight years ago, even up in Canada, started building their teams with young front ends. I mean, those guys can pound the rock and they can bring it a long ways. And, you know, um, part of my, I think, role on the team is to teach a little bit too, Um, not to get too excited and sweep rocks too quick because they're so good. They don't need to pound it early and then hope it stops. You know, you can wait a little bit, things like that. Um, You know, Chris, I think Chris and I have been friends for a long time and and I think I have a, a, a calming effect on Chris a lot of times, and sure. I know how to talk to him uh, when he gets a. You know, sometimes he gets a little heated out there, and it and that's a that's a big deal for us. So I, I my, I'm there to you know kind of calm him down. Uh, he's a great. Great shooter. Nobody throws the rock harder and more accurate than him, at least in the U.S., for sure. And he's one of the top in the world. And and Heath is uh, uh, really a a great skip. He is so knowledgeable about the game, so smart. But he also needs every now and then just to talk to me about, hey – you know, did I play the right shot here? What do we yeah. think here? You know, and and coming out on the timeouts, you know, I can I can be an influence because when Heath and I played together, mm-hmm. and it was just a short time, just for one nationals, uh, and it was after the Olympic trials last time for that three months we played together. Um, you know, he I was kind of the guy he'd ask, even though I was playing front end, even though I was playing yeah. second, it'd be like, hey, what do you think, Rich? This is what I think, and so I'd come down and and help with that, and so but um, but he's. He's great at calling the game. I mean, it's it's a good dynamic. We got a really good young front end, Mm -hmm. and we got some experience in the back end that can make any type of shot. So um, I feel good about it.
2: Yeah, and and you mentioned. I mean, you mentioned several times, but the fact that you have played with Chris and Heater before. I mean, this isn't like you're joining a, a new team just to bring one certain – I mean, you played with these guys. You know how they think. You know how they play. You know what their strengths, what their weaknesses. And, of course, I mean, you've watched Corey and, and mm. Tom for a while now. But So this isn't like coming into the scene cold turkey. You know exactly how you fit and where you fit.
5: Oh, absolutely. And, I, you know, even though I, I never played with Corey and Tom, I think I – the one year we must have played Corey eight times in yeah. one year. It just was, just happened because we were yeah. ranked close to each other, and we were like the four or five seed, and we seemed like every tournament we were playing each right. other. So, you know, I've seen how they throw. I've seen you know how they act and and things, and uh, I think I can be a really big help, and I think I have been already. So, you know, my my job is to find the little things that can make us yeah. better, and if it's just one two shots a game, that can be the difference at this level between winning and losing. So, I'm going to do whatever it takes. So how many? trials have you competed in before oh i don't know i think uh four, four. I, I think um i'm i lose college, you know i lose track of them all because at my yeah. age you know maybe alzheimer's is setting in you know i'm the oldest guy here i'm gonna i think i'm the oldest guy left in the you know in the final four teams counting yeah. all fifth men and stuff so but yeah it's been i think at least four maybe five that i've been in um so uh but You know, been really close a few times, you know, a couple of thirds and a shot here or there from the final, the final three, especially the last two, you know, and in the year where there was a different formats back, you know, in Colorado. And I played with, I played with Craig Brown that year and we were, I think we were the best team in the country bar none on, uh, on 2008 and 2009. I mean, we went to worlds in eight and just, uh, you know, got a couple of really bad breaks in the trials that got knocked us out of the one, two game. And then, uh. Kind of had a little snafu in the three four game, and we were out. And um, yeah. I think that year, there's no question we were the best team in the country, but we didn't go. Yeah. So you know, um, so I'm I'm running out of chances here. So you know, but I but I'm gonna I'm gonna relish this role, do whatever I can to help us win.
2: But you competed at worlds as we wrap mm-hmm. up with Doctor Double himself, Richie Ruin. It you've completely competed at worlds before. I mean, you've been in trials. I mean, you've been on pretty much the biggest stages there are, except one. Yep. The chance that you could get to experience this, I mean, you're pretty close. You've got a damn talented team that you're going to roll out there that you're a part of now. What do you think about when you're think in you're laying in bed at night just thinking about, man, we, we could do this, what this could be like? I mean, just talk about it as somebody who's been around the sport for a long time.
5: Yeah, I've been so close, um, and you work so hard. And, you know, as the years have progressed, you have to work harder to be at that level. In 2008 and 2009, maybe if we were doing the stuff we're doing now, yeah. we would have been a little bit better because it's just the sport wasn't developed at that level yet. And, you know, the the I think about it every morning. I wake up to go work out at 5.30 in the morning and then go to work. And then maybe I've been doing some two-a-days. And even, you know, my my feeling is I can't expect my team to be – Doing everything if I'm not doing it Even if I'm not out there Even if I'm just kind of coaching and being the alternate I've got to do everything I can do to show them that How committed I am And then I need and they're going to do it too. So there's nobody that's going to work harder yeah. right now than our team. I can tell you that when it comes to working out, when it comes to, um, you know, uh, the psychological aspects of the game, the team meetings, yeah. uh, practicing, we, we're we going to work out, outwork every team in the U.S. Right. So And it's just a matter of, you know, putting it together when it counts. And so my, my goal is let me – let me help them however I can, yeah. and let's go out and win this thing because to go to the Olympics has been a dream of mine for a long time. And whether it's just sitting there helping watching yeah. or whether something happens and I um, and I get in for a, a couple of shots or a couple of games, whatever, uh, either way, just to make it would be phenomenal. Yeah. So, um, But when we make it, we want to win a medal too it ain't just about making it it's yeah. about making it first that's the first goal is to win those trials but then we want a medal we don't want to we don't want to have a you know a couple wins at sure. the olympics sure. uh too much effort to have that yeah
2: well this journey here leading up to november i know it's you know maybe not as much time uh to uh, enjoy pull tabs just, <laughs> and, and, and more time in the gym as you uh you know try and continue just to just to get it all ironed out and getting ready to go but richie would just so I appreciate you taking a few minutes here. Dr. Double himself, Richie Ruinant. Thanks so much
5: for a few minutes, Richie. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And go, Team McCormick. There
2: we go. We'll be right back on the Extra Extra In podcast. <laughs> Back into the extra extra in podcast episode two here in our roundtable segment. Joe Calabrese and myself, Bryce Atkinson, and we're joined once again by the man himself, President and CEO of Curling Zone, Jerry Gertz, coming off what was a big big weekend with the first Slam, the Tour Challenge in Regina, Jerry. What a big weekend! It looked awesome, and I know, I guess, from the U.S. standpoint, some really good curling from several of our teams that were up there.
6: Yeah, it was uh, it was exciting to see some uh, great results. Uh, John Schuster again makes the playoffs in a in a Grand Slam event. Um, they're really starting to uh, you know kind of cement themselves in as as one of the uh, you know elite teams in the world, and you know it's great to see them continue getting results. Uh, Heath McCormick had some mixed results, but I think for them they're you know they're in, they're in the boat. Schuster was uh, a year or two ago. Uh, working on gaining that experience and getting good games in. And, and, and Heater's a talented player. And, and uh, the guys in front of him are, are, are very good too. And, you know, at some point in the near future, I think it's going to click for those guys. And the more games they can play at this level, the better. Uh, when you look at uh, the Tier 2 side, uh, we had uh, Craig Brown uh, reach the playoffs in, uh, in the Tier 2 and on the women's side, uh, Jamie Sinclair also uh, got into the playoffs too and uh, got to the uh, semifinals before uh, dropping out of the event. Uh, would have been great to see Jamie get to that final and get another chance to uh, get back to the Slams uh, to the to the Tier One event. But uh, you know, good results overall, and uh, you know, it's 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 good to see that the the U.S. teams are, are getting results at uh, the biggest events on tour.
0: Yeah, Jerry, it certainly seems like uh, Team Sinclair has sort of turned the corner after their win at Nationals. They qualified in the Champions Cup and then, you know, made the semifinals at this Tour Challenge event this past weekend. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what, what you know they've been able to accomplish over the last year.
6: Yeah, I think uh, when when you look at that lineup when they were first put together, I think it was a bit of a, you know, it was a trying to figure out, you know, some, maybe some challenges with that team. There's some unique personalities on that squad, shall we say. And, you know, you, you weren't really sure how that was going to come together, but I think at the end of the day, they really have, have, uh, got themselves all on the same page and, uh, they're having success because of it. And, you know, after, uh, doing some work with this, that team this summer at the U S uh, Olympic committee, uh, training camp that, uh, they did in July. You know, I, I, can understand why they are successful. I don't want to say too much more than that, but, uh, the work that they do behind the scenes is, is really a testament to why they're becoming a successful team. And, and, uh, you know, I, I foresee some great results out of that team going forward this season as well. So, uh, you know, look out for that team. And, and real quick on Schuster, I mean, in in, in the
2: semis, they they run up against uh, what well, Brad Jacobs and I mean, they dig themselves a big hole there in the very first end. What they give up a five, but yet they fight back all the way back. I thought it showed a whole lot of grit, determination on John Schuster and company's part to to get this to, to get it to you know extra ends.
6: Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was quarterfinals match quarters, but, yeah uh, quarters, yeah yeah. It was, uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing, you know, that, that uh, teams that, you know, start to fit in and uh, belong, mm-hmm. they find ways to grind it out. And to be honest, in, in that, uh, in that uh, extra end, had they ended up hitting that, uh, that last shot that John threw a hair thinner or a hair thicker, mm-hmm. Jacobs has a really tough shot on his last one you know, half an inch either way, you know, if he rolls, if he rolls a little bit further away, Jacobs is now going to be forced to draw the button between the two stones. Yeah. And, uh, the ice was pretty challenging, to, uh, in uh, Regina this year, the weather conditions certainly, uh, affected things. And, and so drawing was, was no picnic. And, uh, you know, if they roll hair less, it sets up a pretty tough double. It would have actually angle those two stones right onto the, Jacob Stone in the back of the forefoot and, and Brad would have kind of had to make a little draw around that top stone to catch the side of the button. So, yeah, the fight that those guys showed to get back in the game, the placement of stones, you know, kind of that never give up kind of attitude. That's great to see. You know, they did lose the game, but at the end of the day, I think they they have a result that was uh, something to be proud of. All right, let's
2: pivot to our question, our roundtable question of the week. And it's, I mean, this is one that we could probably spend an hour on if we really so choose to do. And and I'm hoping that we won't go an hour on it for the brevity of life and everybody here involved and, and listening as well. But, you know, basically to you guys, to the two of you, I'll add my two cents in, but I'll throw it to you guys first. Did USA Curling get this thing right with the seven teams that were picked for the U S Olympic trials. And I want to start on the, on the women's side, because obviously most of our, if not all our discussion will be on the men's, but let's just start with the three women's teams first out of the gate with, with Corey Christensen, Nina Roth and and Jamie Sinclair.
6: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there was nobody in that group that really stood out or run, ran away with anything. You've got uh, Jamie's team, won the nationals had a solid season uh, Nina's team won the points race, uh, leading into the nationals, uh, last year and including nationals. So she got to uh, go to worlds. Those two teams are, are pretty much neck and neck. I think when you, when you think about, uh, where they ranked at the end of last season. Um, and then you got Corey Christensen's team and you know, they're, they're, they are a half a step, maybe a step behind the other two, but they're close and, and, uh, they're, they may be the team of the future. And, uh, with a good season this year, they could catch right up and be, uh, they could even surpass uh, uh, Sinclair and Roth. So, you know, I think, I don't think there was anybody else you could really seriously add uh, considering uh, what it takes to uh, to win at the elite level nowadays. And mm-hmm. and that's getting out there, playing enough games, competing against the best of the best. Um, you know, you look at Christensen's team and, and we did, Talk about uh, the Slam teams, uh, the teams that played the Slam. But uh, Courier did reach the semifinals in uh, the Oakville Fall Classic uh, yeah. last weekend as well. So a good result there, too. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think they did a good job. You know, at the end of the day, I think there's some talented players that could have been there. You know, you look at Cassie Potter's team and, you know, 100%, they have the talent to compete at the top level, to compete at the elite level. But the way the game is now, you have to put it all in there. You have to be all in, and uh, they just don't play enough. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that that causes issues with consistency and and, uh, and opportunities as well. If, because one of the things that's key to uh, playing against the best teams on, on the top ice conditions is being eligible to play in the Grand Slams. Mm-hmm. So if you're not playing against the top competition on – on arena ice conditions, weekend, week in, week, out, week out, you know, you're you're going to fall behind, and you're you're not going to be ready to beat them when they uh, when it counts at the Olympics.
0: Yeah, Jerry, I, I guess I would agree with most of what you said there. I think you know, if this were four to eight years ago, you know, you would probably see a Jessica Schultz team or a Cassie Potter uh, probably in the mix, um, just because the talent level is there. But I think you're right. If if teams aren't out there competing all the time, it's just hard, enough, hard to earn the right amount of points to to really get you where you need to be. Um, the only other thing I would say is, you know, we talked about results this past weekend. The Cora Farrell had some great results and then mm-hmm. uh, won an under-21 slam this past weekend. You know, I think they're they're one of those teams that we could be looking to into the future. But we're really focused on the now. And uh, I think these are the right three teams on the women's side.
2: Yeah, and I, I, I personally thought, Cora, that one of the surprises coming out of the Nationals was I mean, they looked every bit apart like they belonged. You know, I thought they might have a little deer in the headlights, but there was there was no question about it that they that Cora Farrell and her crew accounted themselves well out in Everett. And, you know, the only other thing I'd say, guys, is I think it's there are a lot of what-ifs, but, you know, Cassie Potter, and we could be having a little bit of a similar conversation as we're about to have when it comes to Todd Burr and his team, but, you know, Cassie and and her team was playing awfully well. Now, granted, they had a backloaded schedule at Nationals where I think they had the three high-performance teams at the very – that was their last three games. But they were playing really well until Steph came down with, uh, I think it was a couple migraines where they had to play with three and their momentum just completely fell off. So I know it's a big what-if right there. But, I mean, it is a what-if question because if they could have gone on and somehow made noise and won the thing, we might be having a different conversation. Again, there are a whole lot of variables involved there. Yeah, it's, it,
6: it, it's definitely talent-wise. There's no question they belong. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you, when you look at the decision to compete at this level, and it, it takes a, an all-in commitment, and, and that's what happens in every other Olympic sport as well. I don't, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to play, if you're going to bobsled, if you're going to ski, if you're going to do any of these sports, you know, it's not a, it's not a part-time endeavor. And, and, uh, you know, I think that's where, where teams like Potter's team get caught and, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with the decisions they make because Mm -hmm. to be honest, they probably live a better quality of life than, than most of these teams who are out competing all the time. You know they've got families, they can take vacations, they've got a, a a good paying job, and and at the end of the day, they're probably yeah. ahead in life. But uh, when you talk about sport, these, there's these sacrifices that the athletes who are committed full time uh, have to make in order to be competitive at the top, and uh, if you don't do that, you fall behind. And 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 to be honest, prior to the high performance program coming into place. That was the problem with all USA teams, Yeah, and uh, that has certainly changed in the last uh, three to four seasons. All right, Price Atkinson,
2: Joe Calabrese. We're continuing with Jerry Gertz here on the Roundtable, president, CEO of Curling Zone. All right, which brings us to really the meat of this whole thing, and that's to the men's side, which there is obviously where all the talk, fuss, and controversy is, depending on who you are and ask and talk to. And that clearly centers around the exclusion, in this case, of Todd Burr and his rink. And, you know, even talking with Brady Clark recently, those guys were sweating, you know, if they were even going to get in. But as it stands, we have four teams on the men's side, Craig Brown, uh, John Schuster, and Heather McCormick, and along with Brady Clark. So those are our four teams. So that begs the question here on the men's side, did USA Curling get it right?
6: It's a tough it's a tough spot for yeah. sure. Um, like I'll, I'll throw it out there first that, uh, consider John Benton, one of the, my good friends in the game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, for him and, and, and his drive to chase the Olympic dream, you know, I, I don't question anything that they're doing now yep. to try and, you know, to try and get into the trials, you know, the, 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 the challenges, the, and, uh, you know, you look at the way the system was set up with the discretionary picks and, and, and all that. And, you know, they, they truly believe and that, uh, they met all the standards to, to qualify under the guidelines.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh,
6: I was talking to John and, and the team, uh, uh, two weekends ago at the Oakville Stu cells and, and, uh, actually I'm sponsoring that team a little bit. Uh, we needed a team in the event and, uh, and, uh, they were willing to come play and and, uh, curling zone ended up sponsoring their entry fee. And uh, so we had some good discussions and, you know, I heard their side of the story and, and so, you know, I I understand where they're coming from and uh, you know, I can't question that, you know, that they're going to fight all they can until they get there. But I think they, they fall into the same position as uh, as Cassie Potter's team to a degree. They definitely played a lot more than, than Potter uh, did, but they're still not near the number of games played that John Schuster played. Sure. When you look at, uh, at the uh, uh, last season, uh, the last two seasons, actually Schuster played uh, 98 and 103 games in each of those seasons. Uh, Burr's team played uh, 54 and 46. And, uh, you know, there's, one of the things that I was involved in is is putting the metrics together that that uh rank the different teams. And uh there was a p- pretty big drop off when you look at uh strength of schedule mm-hmm. and and uh strength of events that these teams played between Clark and Burr. And uh you know it's it's I I wouldn't j I couldn't justify adding that team in in that situation, though, I'm not sure there really should be a U.S. trials. To be honest, John Schuster has been, you know, far and away the best team mm-hmm. over the last two seasons combined. They've won a a, a bronze medal two years ago and, and played for the bronze again uh, last year, and uh, you know they, they're putting the results together at the at the uh, at the slams, at the uh, at the events that are the best of the best, and and when you look at that, it's you know the problem is is because of TV commitments and and everything going on, you have to have a trial.
2: Well, I and I'll just say this too, and, and real quick, I mean, I I think you I don't I don't care what the sport is when it comes to the the Olympics. In my book, coming from an Olympic sport of swimming, and I know all sports are different. But I think you have to have an Olympic trials. I mean it it, it you, you just have to have it. And part of the I think part of the reason to do it is, you know, even if Michael Phelps is that good in swimming, put him up there when the pressure is the hottest because, you know, a lot of people say, at least in a lot of different in every sport is different, you know, that your nationals or your trials a lot of times is more competitive. I mean, take Canada for instance. You know, the trials would be more competitive in a tougher competition. Then sometimes the Olympic Games itself, and it varies for different sports. But I, I to me, you have to have an. To me, not having Olympic trials is, is a non-starter. That's just my opinion.
6: You look at you look at uh, how the Olympic reps are selected around the world, though. Mm-hmm. Canada and the United States are the only countries that have a guaranteed trials.
0: Well, let's just talk a little. I just want to so, back up yeah. really quickly, if you don't mind, yeah. uh, you know, based on just want to kind of make sure that we lay the groundwork here. We, You know, based on the guidelines, the USCA was was obligated to have no more than uh, three teams and they can have up yeah. to five teams for this trial. So they only had three for the women's. Uh, no period. fewer,
6: right, Joe? No fewer,
0: right? right? No fewer than yeah. five. So or, 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 or no fewer than three and no more than five. Yeah. I'm sorry if I made a mistake in saying that but there are only three women's teams. Uh, Jerry you talking with the bird team what do you what did they tell you was their case for inclusion in the trials? I know that there's been stuff out there on social media, but you know seeing as you did have talked to them what would what would they say is their case?
6: Well, it really comes down to meeting uh some of the the standards that were were written into the discretionary pick discussion, and uh, you know they they strongly feel like that uh, that they met those standards with their results last season you know making the making the final at uh, at the nationals in in Everett and and uh, you know it's it, it's you know they were one of the best teams at the, at the nationals last year but sometimes uh, and i think this goes to what our sport and, and what happens in curling we've all heard that term on any given day anybody can beat anybody right yeah <clears throat> the the one thing about curling is is that familiarity of an opponent is really what can create that. So when you look at uh, at, the, at the Nationals, for example, Todd Burr and Craig Brown and, and Brady Clark and John Schuster have been battling each other for years. Yeah. And the confidence level that these guys have going against Schuster is, is you know, it's strong because they've all beaten them before. You know, they feel comfortable beating them, playing them, and all that stuff the problem is is that outside of schuster none of these other teams have that familiarity and comfort beating the olympic medal contenders and so if you expand that to you know who you're going to send to the olympics the team you send has to have played these teams become comfortable with them and and get over that uh that uh you know that, that situation where you know you, you know some of these top teams, a lot of these top teams win games before the games even start. You know they they feel the uh, you know it's that intimidation factor. It's it's that uh, that uh, you know that that comes with the game. Yeah. So you you know you look at Schuster and, and uh, he's beaten Nicholas Dean on several occasions last season in key games where he needed to win to uh, to advance. One of them at the at the Worlds where he needed that game to get into the playoffs, mm-hmm. and and then again at the Champions Cup, Champions Cup for Players Championship, can't remember for sure, but Schuster needed that win in the round robin to stay alive, and ended up reaching the playoffs. So that is the the crux of the issue, from my opinion, mm-hmm. from my perspective, is that you know in order to beat the best in the world, you have to be playing them regularly. Nobody's going to come out and and you know, beat them consistently without uh, getting out there and getting that experience.
0: So, Jerry, let's talk a little bit about next steps. I mean, it sounds as if uh, Team Burris has filed their grievance. They're going to have a, a three-person judicial committee, I believe, meet on September 21st that's going to decide their fate. One of the questions that I have for you is sort of based on some things that happened after the Nationals. Rich Ruinen uh, got recruited. He was the the vice for Team Burr. He got recruited to be the fifth player for Team McCormick. Do you think that that's going to be a factor in this decision?
6: I, I hope it doesn't sway the decision either way. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, they added uh, they added a really good young player in, in Hunter Claussen to replace Rich. And I think uh, you know, there's things that Hunter is probably going to be better at than Rich. And vice versa. I think there's things that Rich would bring to the team that uh, Hunter doesn't have yet. But you know, it, it's you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it's probably a wash when you when you think about you know the, the different things that each of them would bring to the team. So you know, you know, for Heater's team, they saw I think they saw the opportunity to add somebody with some experience, and, and uh, that brings you know an, an added uh, uh, professionalism to the team. One of the things that Rich has become for Heater's team is he's the guy that deals with all the stats and analytics and research ahead of game time. Yeah. So uh, you know he's he's the guy I've been working with with that team to uh, you know to you know make sure he's got the information and and answers the questions and so you know to to have a player like that in your lineup that's taking care of that for your team it's almost like a you know that's an important factor and you need somebody to do that. And at the end of the day, Rich was one of the top players, not part of the trials. So, you know, I don't think there was anything shady there. I think it was just the sake of uh, uh, the opportunity was presented to Rich and, and he fit in and uh, and that's where they went with it. Yeah. Rich and Chris have history together. They played together for uh, uh, several years. So, uh, you know, I think it makes sense. And and uh, And at the end of the day... You know, I don't think it changes Burr's team too much because you know that addition of Clawson it was a solid add too.
2: Yeah, and and you can't begrudge Rich Ruinen for wanting to chase an Olympic dream by having the chance with a team that's up against the wall with the appeals and or at least the judicial committee. And then I know there's one more step after that, depending on what happens, but. Yeah, you know, in Richie's case, I mean, the chance to go with heater guys he's played with too, and to chase that Olympic dream. I don't. I mean, I don't think anybody would begrudge Richie Ruinin for the decision he made to do what he did.
6: Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, one, th- you know, I've I've talked to some people, and I've actually been kind of cur- surprised by some of the reaction. But I, to me, Jerry, it and I, again, I know this is hypothetical, but. You know, if John Schuster's last draw at Nationals in the championship with Todd Burr and, and John Schuster going at it, if he's heavier, that thing is short, and, and Burr wins Nationals. To me, in my mind, there's absolutely no case that you could honestly make to exclude the national champion from the trials. Now, I know that the the, the amount of games they haven't played, and that would right there would that would be your argument for USA Curling protecting their own self interest with what say Todd Burr might've done or came within one shot of doing at nationals. But to me, I would have a very hard time had they won nationals and beaten John Schuster in that final of excluding them from the trials. Do you, I mean, do you agree?
6: Yeah, I I do agree with that. I think they probably are there if they win that game. Um, you know, it's the optics of it are, are really difficult to, to overcome. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a tough spot, and to be honest, I I foresee some big changes next Olympic cycle that are going to uh, you know tighten this up a little bit, and you know make a standard that you have to meet. and And this goes to Burr as well. You know, they feel like they met the standard, and they're you know they 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 may be right. Yeah, because discretionary pick it opens the door for a lot of things mm-hmm. and it's put in there for good reason. You know, they, they want to make sure that they have the opportunity to, to include a team that they believe should be there. Yeah. And you go back to the, the 2014 uh, Olympics and the trials ahead of that. And John Schuster's team that year was the discretionary pick.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: They fell short in a, in a few other areas. they, they ran into a couple you know they just they just didn't meet the standard in in the 2 years leading up to it so they became the discretionary pick and and you know it it's you really can't question John and his team as you know one of the top teams in the US even going back those years yeah i know he's had his struggles in the olympics and and everything there but you know you look at what's happened in the last 4 years They're putting in the work. They're doing all the things now that the best teams in the world are doing. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of, you know, you you see the teams around the locker room and you kind of hear the chatter a little bit. And, you know, John maybe didn't look as much like an athlete then as he certainly does now. Yeah. You look in the locker rooms of, of the top teams and everybody is in shape. Yeah. And it's, that's part of being there too. John has now been to the slams enough time. He's you know, I wonder how much of that you know, it's like, man, these guys are all so fit, you know, maybe maybe there is something to this. Yeah. And uh you know, he's he's followed suit in that regard and 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 he's kicked he him and and his whole team have kicked that standard up a whole whole another notch. And, yeah. And so, you know, when when we look at at what you're going to have with the trials, and and this is a thing, you have to be willing to send any team that plays in the trials to the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, because and, that pressure cooker causes weird things to happen. Sure, and, and anybody can win that realistically.
2: Yeah, and I'll say in full disclosure, number well, first of all. For, for everybody listening right now that has not seen John Schuster in a while, John Schuster looks fantastic. I mean, he he is his fit is I, I, maybe the most fit he's ever been on the ice. I mean, he, when everybody sees him at the trials, you're going to see a different-looking John Schuster, number one. Number two, if I'm Todd Burr and and, and Tom and uh, John Benton and Hunter Claussen, I'm doing the exact same thing that they're doing. Why not? You know, if you've got the yeah. avenue to appeal it, I would exhaust every opportunity. I would do
6: exactly what they're doing. So I don't begrudge them yeah. whatsoever. No, I, I don't either. And uh, and I, and what I was getting to, and I guess I kind of got off topic a little bit there, was that, uh, you know, I foresee a fixed standard becoming part of the future uh, trial selection process. You know that you have to meet a certain standard on the order of merit, you have to win the national title. you have to do this or you have to do that, yeah, and with no more gray area in place anymore, yeah, and uh you know to be honest, the teams and the program I think have matured to a point where they can do that now they're they're not going to risk leaving anybody behind because you know the best teams are getting out and they're playing a ton, and they're getting out and getting results mm-hmm. and uh you know, at the end of the day, and, and this is something that that baffles my mind. You know, out there, and you know, when you hear the critics about the program and everything else that's going on there, you know that they're that they're quote picking favorites and so on. You know what? These guys' job is to win. At the end of the day, it's the staff that put this together. If anybody thinks they're leaving somebody out because you know they're they're picking their favorites. Um, and not, you know, thinking that, you know, they, they're not going to be successful. Then you know, then, you know, they're not doing their job. Yeah. They're not doing the best that they can to put themselves in position to win. And, and they would be doing themselves a disservice. So, you know, it kind of goes, it kind of counter, it's counterintuitive to what, uh, they, they need to do and, and nobody would do that to sacrifice their job. So,
0: so Jerry, let me, let me make you take off your blue Jays cap and put on your <laughs> prognosticator cap. Um, knowing that there 's this this september twenty fourth judicial committee meeting and then possibly one uh, one step beyond that, what would you say the odds are that we 're going to see team Burr at the trials
6: i 'll be honest, I have no idea it, uh, it, too many you know, variables for you yeah yeah there there 's too many variables for what 's going on. I don't know the committee that's involved in, in making the decision. So, for one, that's, uh, you know, that's not something that uh, I'm even going to make a guess at, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, like, my job, I put together the rankings, you know, the raw data that, uh, that, you know, everyone can look at and say, this is how you compare the teams, A, against each other, and, and, and B, against the rest of the world. mm mm-hmm because that's the standard that USA curling is now chasing. It's it's not about being number 1 in the USA anymore. It's now about chasing the world standard. And that is what the US Olympic Committee is really focusing on and and I think if it gets to the USOC, I don't foresee them approving or or making any changes to the trials field. But uh, you know, you may, you know, it's it's hard to say what is done before you get there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the US, the USOC is about supporting the teams that put in that full time, uh, full time effort. And, you know, when, when you look at Burr's team, it's, you know, they're they're going out, they're competing. But, you know, they're they haven't gotten to a point where they're playing the top teams enough. And uh, that's going to be the question, I think, that uh, that it boils down to at the end of the day.
2: Well, guys, this has been—I uh, I certainly know—an interesting topic to dive into. We could go another thirty minutes on it. Um, There's just—it's a—I know—it's a very hard. It, it's not cut and dry. It, it, this is a very tough decision, and when it comes to—and dis- that's the—and
6: <clears throat> yeah. honestly, honestly, Price, that's the problem. Yeah, it's you know, discretionary. Team, team Burr feels like, yeah, Team Burr feels like they've met the standard. Yep. So you know, if if, if the standard is out there and and they felt like they've met it, you know, they wouldn't have known or, or necessarily needed to plan a schedule to meet the standards that a team like Schuster and the other two program teams, even Brady Clark's team, is, is getting out there and playing quite a few more games. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, you know, I think sometimes, you know, you, and that's why you really can't blame Burr for for, for their approach. But at the same time, you know, I I think the uh, the committee that put this together, uh, if you're going to pick if you're going to pick more than three teams, I think they they picked the right four. Yeah.
2: Well, Jerry Gertz, President CEO of Curling Zone. Check out everything going on at CurlingZone.com. I'm sure most all of our listeners do that on a regular, if not daily basis, at Curling Zone on Twitter the operations manager for the world Curling tour Jerry, this has just been a fantastic conversation. Uh, I know Joe and I it, this has been this has been, just been awesome so appreciate your time can't wait to do this again.
6: Thanks Price thanks Joe. It's always great talking to you guys.
2: All right we appreciate See you next
0: time Jerry
2: and we appreciate Jerry's support of the extra extra End podcast too and thank him so much for linking it right there on curlingzone.com All right we'll be right back here on the extra extra End podcast.
0: Whenever you travel for bond spills, business, or other travel, please remember to go to TESN.us and click on the Expedia banner. When you book your travel through the banner on TESN.us, a small portion of that booking goes to TESN affiliates. If you like TESN, please remember to support our affiliates by clicking on the Expedia banner when you travel. Thanks for supporting our affiliates.
2: All right, putting a bow on this episode two of the Extra Extra in podcast with the 12th Inn Sports Network, powered by Isagenix. Special thanks to Richie Ruinen, Jamie Sinclair, and Vicky Persinger this week. know just and especially that last roundtable segment i mean just great conversation there with jerry joe i mean uh a lot of here that we got into on this episode uh, of the extra extra end it's just a setup for what we've got coming up the rest of the fall as we lead up to the u.s olympic curling trials in omaha
0: yeah we had a great discussion with jerry and and two terrific interviews and, and it's just a preview of what's to come over these next few weeks but price i don't think you uh we're really hoping to get away from that Bills Panthers talk, were you? <laughs> so
2: <laughs> it's so funny.
0: both teams one and zero, and and I think what I would like to do is is a friendly wager with you. And what I'm thinking is if the Bills go into Carolina and somehow beat the the juggernaut that is the Carolina Panthers, um, I should get some sort of barbecue. But if for some reason um, the Panthers, you know, take you know, my little pathetic Buffalo Bills and pound them into the sand like they ought to, I I owe you some chicken wings. What do you think?
2: I I think what you owe me is one of those... Twelfth uh, in Sports Network jerseys that you and BA and <laughs> Sean Murray. I've been angling for one of those. I'm hoping maybe one of those might be under my Christmas tree, also known as the curling trials in Omaha coming up in November. But I think I can do that. I think that some dinosaur barbecue from up there in upstate New York. Oh, I've, wow! I've always wanted some dinosaur barbecue. I've never had the chance to uh, to dive into it. I got to compare it to what we've got down here. But everybody I've talked to, Jim Beheim, head coach at Syracuse, told me one time. He said. It's the best barbecue you'll ever have. And I said, Coach, there's no way. I've come from the south. We we own barbecue down here," he said. You "Don't knock it till you try it, son." But yeah, I think we can All definitely right. do so that. a deal. I was going to tell you I didn't think we could be friends between now and kickoff on Sunday at Bank of America <laughs> Stadium in Charlotte. But I don't know. It's a it's a, it's a budding rivalry because of everything that's gone on in the off season between the Bills and the Panthers. Maybe some of our listeners may have a clue what we're talking about. But I got and can we trust? Is the confidence I got, Joe.
0: Well, you know, I I believe that uh, you guys are should be the heavy favorite. We will see how it turns out, but I'm I'm excited. The Bills got off to a good start, and uh, that's always a good thing. We will uh, we'll see how it winds up.
2: Uh, we both want two and zero this weekend. Somebody's going to get it. That's well, I guess actually no, it's not a guaranteed. Unfortunately, in the NFL, they allow ties, which which I think is sacrilege in any sport outside of soccer. Honestly, I think ties in soccer stink too. All right. Just to let everybody know how you can listen. One more time, the Extra Extra In podcast. You can get it on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play. Um, you just pull up your smartphone right there. Apple Podcast, the app, search the Extra Extra In. It's that easy, Joe. It, it, it really could not be easier. And especially, how about our homepage? T E S N. U S forward slash podcast. The Twelfth In Sports Network. Your home for USA curling web streaming all kinds of events with clubs around the country but it's also the extraction podcast right there on the homepage
0: yeah absolutely make sure you follow us on Facebook and uh, Twitter that gives you all those notifications of what's going on with the website and the podcast all year round and uh, we'll see you then
2: yeah, absolutely. What's ahead next week? Let us tell you real quick conversation with a couple members of Team Clark. Brady Clark and Greg Persinger. We'll go from one Persinger to another as we'll talk with Greg Persinger and Brady next week on the Extra Extra in Podcast Episode 3. So a good conversation, a lot of things you'll want to hear, a very frank and honest and open Brady Clark, which we will bring you next week. Really good stuff from the two of them. Uh, but, Joe, one more. Uh, plug this giveaway again because the Monica Walker jersey, to me, is something I want to get into this contest on.
0: Yeah, you know, Curling Night in America is starting back up on October 10th. And, you know, we're real excited about how the event showcases some of those teams that are battling for those Olympic spots in November. As part of that excitement, we're giving out the opportunity to win a signed Monica Walker jacket from that Curling Night in America production. She's the lead for Team Sinclair in the 2010, I'm sorry, 2017 USA Curling National Champions. So if you want to enter this drawing, all you got to do is go to tesn.us forward slash podcast and enter by using the widget on the upper right hand corner of the page this is a a one-of-a-kind item and only available to our listeners we're going to announce the winner next week
2: well i'm going to register and if i don't win i know it's not rigged i'm gonna have to beg monica to get my own when we see her at the trials all right we'll get out of here appreciate all our listeners tuning in to the extra extra and podcast here just can't do it without you it is all about our listeners again if you like it rate it, share it, review it, all those great things. It's all about you. We need your help to spread the word. Appreciate what you all do and appreciate you taking the time to listen here on the Extra Extra In Podcast. Can't wait to be back again here next week, Joe. More great stuff. We'll see you then.
1: Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Price Atkinson. Follow Price and the 12th In Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, and guests for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra In podcast, powered by IsoGenics.
4: Ready for a different kind of distance? In South Dakota's open spaces, there's room to ride, stop, and explore. When you're ready to travel, great places are waiting. Learn more at TravelSouthDakota.com. Ready for a different kind of distance? In South Dakota's open spaces, there's room to ride, stop, and explore. When you're ready to travel, great places are waiting. Learn more at TravelSouthDakota.com.